1: Blue
2: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Bellotto. And tonight was the first night of the 2021 NFL Draft. And boy, did it bring some surprises. Holy crap. Where do we even start to this night? I mean, this was insanity, Nick. It was surprising. There were twists. There were turns. The Giants made... Their first trade back, or I should say Dave Gettleman made his first trade back in his career, dating back not only through his four drafts with the Giants, but also through his time as the Carolina Panthers general manager, just totally sup- caught us all by surprise. Not from the logical standpoint, I don't think, and we'll get to this in a moment, but just from the sense that he hadn't done it. Obviously, once the board fell how it did, which I think was also a surprise, it made total sense to trade back. But what was going through your head when both those corners came off the board Dallas was sitting and you knew they wanted one of those two corners you knew it was a two-corner class with the injury situation with uh, Caleb Farley going on there and Newsom just not quite there also has injury concerns for himself and obviously no other defensive player fully worthy of being picked there so they took advantage of that and we saw it flash above our eyes the Eagles trading up one spot ahead of the Giants reminiscent of that 2016 NFL draft when The Chicago Bears traded one spot ahead of the Giants, selected Leonard Floyd. The Giants panicked and took Eli Apple. This draft, they didn't panic, though. They had something up their sleeve, ready to pull the trigger on. So what were your thoughts with, one, the Eagles trading up? Did you know it was going to be for Devontae Smith? Did you think it was because they knew the Giants wanted Smith? And then what were your thoughts right after when you immediately almost saw, well, look, the Giants have made a trade. The Bears are on the clock.
3: Honestly, I don't know if anybody here has seen the Christmas story before. But at the port with the little kid with the glasses, he goes, Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. That was my reaction when I saw the Eagles jump the Giants. It was, like you said, reminiscent of the time when Jerry Reese got jumped for Leonard Floyd and Jack Conklin. It was like, man, we got caught sitting on our hands. Not that I wanted the Giants to trade up. It was more of just a circumstance. It's also like, oh, man, both these NFC East teams are conspiring against the Giants to jump to get Devonta Smith. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense for the Cowboys, but that was the target in my mind. I knew they were going to get Devonta Smith, and it was like, oh, geez, all these leaks. And it wasn't a great feeling, to be honest. But then, once I heard the Giants traded down, and I didn't even hear the compensation yet, but I'm like, yo, they're falling nine picks, and the Bears are going to get their quarterback— Giants have to be getting some really good return here so I was expecting either a a one from next year which obviously it ended up being or getting a bunch of day two picks in this draft which would have also been nice too so I'm I love the fact the Giants ended up trading back getting out of that situation once I saw Sertan and JC Horn off the board before Dallas made me a little bit weary but I did not expect Philly to do that to jump the Giants to get Devonta Smith.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And Christmas Story is a very, very, very underrated movie that I definitely enjoy as well, even as a Jew. I still like that movie a lot. I don't know if that's uh, if that's a thing, <laughs> if Jews aren't allowed to watch Christmas Story, but you know what? Even as a Jew, I do like it. And yeah, like you said, I, I it was such a quick turn of events for me, especially because at first I was like, this board is breaking literally as poorly as possible mm-hmm. for the Giants because Obviously, there was a glaring value still left on the board in Rashawn Slater, but we've known for quite some time the Giants were not interested in Rashawn Slater. The Giants are not trying to draft over Matt Perrett. They've made the decision that we are going to let Perrett start this season. And worst case scenario, we're going to turn to Nate Solder, who they know is a veteran who they think can step in if, if it really bottoms out mm-hmm. for Perrett. But they don't want to draft a big talent over Perrett. So even though Slater fell, which was beautiful value ultimately for the Chargers at 13, and they snapped that right up for Justin Herbert, amazing pick for them. We knew they weren't going to take him, so at that point, I was like, this is the worst case scenario for the Giants, because only one left who I really had interest in was Devontae Smith. I did not like any of those edges. I did not think personally any of those edges were even worthy of a first-round pick, with the exception of Phillips, who has the off-field stuff. Then you look at the linebacker, Mika Parsons. I don't know about him. There's so many off-field weird things going on, which I guess we're going to have to get to with ultimately who the Giants did select, Kadarius Toney, who does have some off-field stuff as well that we're going to have to talk about. Especially because, you know, there has been a recent pick the Giants have made that totally backfired due to off-field stuff. But having said all that, I didn't really see any glaring player I liked then. Two corners already off the board. Like, there just wasn't value. And so what did they do? Bang! They turned it into a win by trading back. And not only did they trade back, they got a really freaking good haul from the Bears. I posted this on Twitter. In 2019, the Steelers moved up from 20 to 10. So that, they even moved one spot further down than the Giants did. The, or, I'm sorry, than the Bears did. The Bears moved from 20 to 11. And the Steelers got back 52 overall and the next year's third round pick. If you look at any draft trade value chart, the Giants first alone that they have from the Bears next year is worth more than that pick, even it and more than 52 in the future third. Even if that's the 32nd pick if the Bears win the Super Bowl, that pick will still be worth more than 52 and the future third that the Broncos or yeah, that the Broncos got from the Steelers. And that's a team factor and the Giants also got a fourth round pick next year from the Bears and a fifth round pick this year, plus if that Bears pick isn't 32, and let's say the Bears bottom out, or let's say they don't pull Texans, and they're just a mid-range, mid-pack team, six, seven, eight, nine wins, nine's probably not gonna happen, let's say six, seven, eight wins, that pick's gonna be anywhere from six to 16, and that has ultimately so much more value than what the Broncos got from the Steelers so just an unbelievable actual trade haul and you know Gettleman said it all along like I'm not going to do a trade unless I get a great haul so I guess he really was holding out and he got that good haul and ultimately something you mentioned Nick that we didn't talk about a lot but you mentioned a lot I guess off pod we didn't really mention this much on the pod the trade back scenario from 11 really made the most sense if one of those quarterbacks fell and I ultimately I don't think Bears would have made this move for Mac Jones so Realistically, the fact that Justin Fields was the one still on the board and that he didn't go to the Panthers, which I thought was a distinct possibility, ended up ultimately helping the Giants, I think. I think you're right. I think it's actually really interesting,
3: too, because another destination for Justin Fields possibly was the Denver Broncos. And if they went with Justin Fields at 9, and Patrick Sertain would have fell to 10. Yes. Dallas would have went with Sertain, and then the Giants would have ended up with Devonta Smith. But because of their choices, they ended up going with Patrick Sertain. The Cowboys were like, well, screw it. We'll just trade out of this spot. Eagles were like, all right, we'll, take, we'll give you a third-round pick, and you, we can jump the New York Giants and grab this guy. It's just so crazy how the butterfly effect kind of plays into the draft so yes. much with where these guys end up falling to. But I think you're 100% right, man. I mean, it's... Justin Fields being around that—that that was the guy because I'm sure the Bears were like, "Yo, we can't have him get to the get to the Patriots because they might want to go with a player like Justin Fields. Yes. Like, we got to jump up here. We have to secure this pick." So, uh, excellent for. For the Giants to trade down, and I, I looked like it was just not going to be great. I even tweeted about it. I was like, "Oh man, this is not." And that's not a slight on Slater at all. Like I just did not expect the Giants to go Slater, like you said. It was the they're not going to smack Matt Pert in the face. They're trusting in Pert. They're trusting in the development of these young guys. Right. And I also didn't trust that they were going to go with Micah Parsons because the off the field stuff, which doesn't seem to be a thing with Kadarius Tony. I mean, <laughs> it really, it really just seems like the Giants wanted to add an offensive playmaker. They wanted to keep adding an to this offense what they've done this offseason they brought in John Rawls Kyle Rudolph getting Saquon Barkley back you have Kenny Galladay they really wanted to add an explosive playmaker that's why I think they love Jalen Waddell obviously he went in the top 10 to Miami mm-hmm. so getting in Kadarius Tony is the uh the knockoff version of that which I think is lazy analysis to be honest because
2: they're different players they're, yeah.
3: they are different players but just from the sense that Kadarius Tony is an explosive playmaker so is Jalen Mm-hmm.
2: for sure and we'll talk about the actual pick shortly but there is still more to talk about in my mind at least with the trade because ultimately what I really like most about this trade is how it sets them up for the 2022 draft because really and i tweeted about this as well you're looking at a very very much so a win-win situation for that next season because Mm -hmm. you head into this draft with that extra first round pick from the bears and so either the giants are a very good team in 2021 and they get a late first from being a very good team they make the playoffs daniel jones takes a jump garrett takes a jump he fixes his offense they win a playoff game let's say they pick 25 26 27 something like that Plus, whatever the Bears pick is, and then you use those two first and you build an already strong roster, a roster that just made the playoffs and win. Or Jones doesn't progress. Garrett's still awful and his system sucks. The offensive line is somehow worse because they lost out on Kevin Zeitler and the rest of the guys don't develop. You bottom out, you get a top 10 pick plus whatever that Bears pick is, and now you have a new GM in because I don't give a crap what the biggest Giants homer is gonna tell me. Because somebody's actually trying to argue with this to me. Like I tweeted about someone's like, are you crazy? You think that if the Giants have a top 10 pick next year they're gonna fire Dave Gettleman? They should be giving him an extension. I'm like, are you out of your mind to think that if the Giants have a top 10 pick next year, the fourth straight year Mara's gonna bring him back? Like it's out of control to even think that. It's like beyond homerism. It's to the next level of that. But again, the reality is, if they do bottom out this year, they're going to have a new GM, and that new GM is likely going to be looking for a new quarterback, and he's going to have a top 10 pick from the Giants, plus whatever the Bears pick is, so let's say he wants to move into that top 3, if a team picking the top 3 just selected a quarterback, say it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have Trevor Lawrence, but nothing else really on that roster besides some skill players, and a horrible offensive line, horrible defense, well, the Jaguars are picking 2 or 3, the Giants can couple that top 10 pick of their own with whatever they get from the Bears, bang, use that ammo to move on up take the quarterback of their choice in the next draft so it's just a win-win scenario to have that kind of draft ammo and then throwing on top of that what you saw from Ian Rappaport just before the draft and what you heard from both Dave Gettleman and Chris Pettit after the draft which is that they value and I think they're correct in valuing this because Rappaport says this is league-wide this is every GM believes this these 22, 22 picks are going to be worth a lot more these 2021 picks because they are gonna have more more to work with they're going to be able to go down and meet these guys they're going to have a real combine they're going to have guys who like Gettleman said there are a lot of players who are using the NCAA's rule that they added this year which is last year didn't count against the players eligibility so if he wanted to he was able to come back even if he wasn't eligible to and all of that is going to lead to a more talented class with more information on it and the Giants are going to now have an extra first round pick so just the actual trade, just slam dunk trade for the Giants. One of the best moves I think this regime has made since Dave Gettleman took over. I think a case could be made this is the best move ever made during the Gettleman era.
3: I love the fact that next season we're going to be heading into a draft with two first round picks. And what a roller coaster this was, man. To see that the Giants were getting jumped by the eagles be like oh we're gonna lose out on devonta smith what are we just gonna sit at 11 select quiddy pay like is that what's gonna happen right now and literally just to see the bears come up and then we hear that it was a one that the giants got i mean that was that was exciting and now hey big blue banter listeners down with the bears bears gotta suck bears got to suck this next season
2: yeah and speaking of the bears next season here's a list of their 2021 opponents they've got their division we all know that Packers as long as they don't trade Aaron Rodgers should be a really tough matchup for them twice likely to be two losses there the Lions are going to be an easy game for them but if you look at those games last year they struggled against the Lions the Lions struggled against them those are stupid division games those are like those old school when the Eagles and Giants were bad last year it was just a slugfest Giants Cowboys bad you know total slugfest same thing with the Washington games last year so those aren't locks they have the Cardinals, they play the NFC West. That's not good. You don't want to play the Cardinals, 49ers, Rams and Seahawks. That's one of the toughest divisions to play in football. Mm-hmm. That's a great sign for the Giants. Then you go cross-court or I'm sorry, cross-conference. You got the AFC North. That's another division you don't want to face the Steelers, Browns and Ravens. Oof. Bengals potentially taking a step forward with Joe Burrow in his in his second year. Like this is a hard schedule for the Bears. I'm looking at the schedule based on those divisions and they're basically collapsing offensive line. They haven't added talent to that offensive line in years. That offensive line is worse than the Giants and stands to be one of the worst in the NFL with Anti Dalton behind them, with a defense that just lost Kyle Fuller, with potential for a rookie quarterback like Justin Fields to come in. And we know generally rookie quarterbacks can struggle to get wins on the board. And we could be looking at a potential top five, top ten pick here with the Bears next year.
3: I really hope we get what the Miami Dolphins got from the Houston Texans. Uh, unreal. <laughs> would that just be something? Imagine
2: dude? if they take that and then pull a Dolphins and trade back from <laughs> three to 12 and they just keep getting more first round picks, baby. Keep them flowing. Keep them flowing, dude.
3: That would be awesome. Look, look at the excitement here. Like, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. It is 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and there is a lot of excitement here on the Big Blue Banter podcast because we're not used to these tradebacks, man. And, and this this literally, like you said, this could set the Giants up. No matter what happens with the Giants this season, this is beneficial because the Giants are going to have that ammo to trade up for a quarterback if they want to, which is excellent if Daniel Jones falls on his face, which we all hope does not happen.
2: Or let's say there's another Kyle Pitts type in next year's class because mm-hmm. we who we know behind the scenes I've heard – from one trusted guy that they loved Pitts. They really wanted Pitts. He was their guy in this class. If yeah. there was any way to get him. There was no way to get him. Atlanta loved him too. They just love Florida guys? I guess so. <laughs> they probably, that's probably how they started getting onto Kadarius Tony, honestly, by watching Pitts film. Would be my guess because you see him and you see Tony flashing, and you're like, okay, this kid and ball too. You see 2020 Tony too, man. Yeah. There
3: are some plays where
2: you're like, we'll, we'll get into Kadarius For in sure. a little bit, but whew. Yeah, you he, you can't, it, like he's a freak. Um, He could be, there. there's, the ceiling for him is beyond, there's no real comparable ceiling for him. So anyway, with that said, you know, next year, same thing. If they feel like Daniel Jones took the step forward, and let's say the Giants are pretty good next year, and the Bears are horrible, right? This is The the, 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 goal, the goal here is let's have the Bears lose as many games as possible. Every single week, you should all be rooting hard against the Bears. Like literally every week, watch those Bears games, follow those Bears games. When you're on red zone and you're watching the games and you see some like late game collapse by Chicago, Andy Dalton throws a pick six before he gets benched for field. Celebrate those moments because they're worth so much. Literally every single pick. Every single loss is worth so much value to the Giants. Mm. You saw it tonight. I mean, they turned pick 10 into a next-year first-rounder and two more picks. That's a big haul from going 10 to 12. Or I'm sorry, pick 11. Sorry, I was thinking of that Broncos trade. Pick 11 to go to 20. They got 20 next year's first and two more picks. That's the kind of value you can get. So every loss for the Bears matters for sure. With that said, um, obviously there's still a little bit more to talk about with this trade before we get into the actual pick, which was Darius Tony. One other thing I wanted to talk about, though, before that was regarding the Eagles, I'm going to take my Crow, Nick, because I was the one who said I did not think Harry Roseman would go back-to-back first-round wide receivers. Even when they traded up, it made so much sense to me that they were going to take Smith because obviously, why would they trade one spot out of the Giants? who've been? But I was still in my back of my head like, I still don't think they're going to go receiver back-to-back. Harry Roseman, I don't even think he's the type of trade-up guy. He's trading up. He's giving up future assets. That's never something the Eagles do. And then to go receiver... So all that surprised me, so i got to eat my crow on that. I guess they either really love Smith or they just felt like they needed, you know, another playmaker to try to help Hurts at this time of his career.
3: That's what it is, and I really
2: hope that third-round pick that Dallas got ends up being a
3: baller twice a year against the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: I don't <laughs> hope for that, because that means that Dallas gets a good player. I or want just them. Twice a year. Uh, twice just twice a, a year. He has two random good games. <laughs> it's some, some sort of curse.
3: You I don't mind know. that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> mind that. I, I
2: like a good curse. I like a good curse, actually. I'm um, getting a little spooky on the Big Blue Panther podcast at 3 a.m. But yeah, ultimately, great stuff for me. But let's get to the actual pick. And before we get to the pick, I want to preface it by saying this. A really interesting question. I put this at the top of my list for things I wanted to find your opinion on in this podcast, Nick. What would you rather have? Devontae Smith. So say, in this scenario, I don't know. The Broncos don't take a corner out of nowhere. They take, like, I don't know, Mac Jones or Justin Fields, whatever. Dallas goes the corner, goes Zertan, and Giants take Devontae Smith. Or would you rather Kadarius Toney, next year's Bears first round pick, next year's Bears fourth round pick, and this year's Bears fifth round pick? What would you rather?
3: So I don't believe that the two players are comparable right now. They they're two totally different skill sets. Devonta Smith is much more of a technician, but his releases at the line of scrimmage are absolutely phenomenal. Where Kadarius Tony, it's incredibly raw. You don't even see him go up against press or do those things too often. There's a lot of design touches, and I mean Kadarius Tony. Don't get me wrong; he has a lo- he has some nuance to his game, but I mean he's great after the catch. But con- comparing him to Devonta Smith isn't exactly fair right now. But I do love the prospects of having that 2022 first round picks it's more of an unknown we don't know what that's going to be but I love the fact that you were able to get this high draft capital and I do believe it sets up like we said earlier the Giants for a pretty good position that if Daniel Jones does fall on his face they have more ammo to trade up so I think I'm going to go with actually what ended up happening with Kadarius Toney who has a ton of upside isn't the player Devonta Smith is but does have this explosive playmaking ability and then those other picks to kind of help replenish the roster uh, the dearth of talent is going to be on the roster especially after this 2021 season what about you
2: I would definitely rather the Kadarius Tony plus the picks mm-hmm. I it's not that like so like for me it's like if I could have got my guy there at 20 which would who was on the board which was Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman but preferably Elijah Moore then it's like Elijah Moore plus those picks mm-hmm. to me is a no brainer and then Kadarius Tony, I still see a lot of upside there. We're going to talk about him. He brings a totally different element, honestly, than, than Elijah Moore. They're really not that similar players besides the fact that they're both small. Um, but ultimately, that kind of draft capital to me is worth so much. I just—the potential for that Bears pick, man. Like, the Bears, with that schedule and with their quarterback situation and with their offensive line situation— could be one of the worst teams in the NFL next year. They probably could scrap. They're probably not going to be. They're probably going to scrap out five to six wins, maybe seven, maybe eight. But they could be really bad. And they could be looking at a pick next year where the Giants can get if they wanted to. They won't because hopefully Kadarius Tony's good. But And they just signed Kenny Galladay. But if they wanted to, they could maybe get another Devontae Smith type talent at that Bears pick next year in addition to Tony. in addition to the fourth round pick, in addition to fifth round pick. So for me, it's a no brainer. I would much rather all those swings mm-hmm. than I, than one player like Devonte Smith.
3: Yeah, I wanted to preface it that
2: the players I
3: don't you don't I don't hold them in the yeah. same caliber right now. I don't think a lot of people do, but yeah, no, I agree. And uh, Kadarius, man, I mean,
2: we could just dive right into. Well, to be fair, actually, I did want to jump into something you just said because they actually asked Chris Pettit, the Giants. Um, I don't know what his official title is with Giants. He's like I'm pretty one of the sure he's the, scouts. Di- he's the director of uh, college scouting. Director of college scouting. Yeah, he said that. Tony was number one on their board, which obvious, but he also said he didn't have him too too far behind those big three receivers. So for him, in his mind, they were he was
3: so so number one on the board. In terms of...
2: At 20. At 20, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But he said, according to him, he doesn't have him too far too behind. Too far
3: behind. Still behind. Behind, but yeah, he said yeah.
2: too far... And yeah, I agree. If you're talking in coach speak, saying not too far behind could mean any range. Because you're exactly. going to paint a nice picture. And Gettleman was asked something like that, too.
3: And he was like, look, we love Kadarius. Like, like they asked him about Devonta Smith, and mm-hmm. he just kind of gushed about Kadarius. Tony's like, we're right. glad to have him, which... Obviously, that's what you're gonna say. You're not gonna be, like, well, you know, we really wanted about to Smith, but we got this bum instead. Like, obviously, you're <laughs> not gonna go. That, that Gettleman
2: impressor was quite something, man. He's getting, he's, old, he's getting old, man. You yeah. can tell. He's like, like, oh yeah, we
3: got a fourth. Or he a didn't fifth remember or, the yeah. trade details, which is yeah.
2: devastating. I mean, you got to know yeah. the trade. He was tapping and tapping and tapping that thing. Tap 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 tap. You heard the tap of that table. He just he had like a tick. He has like a tick with the tapping. You could see it just tapping through every answer. And my man is just getting up there, like senile there, almost. Man. I mean, he's seventy. I mean, so he good news is, I mean, they got a lot of brains working in that room. Obviously, Joe Judge is a big part of this process, Chris Pettit, all the guys, mm-hmm. and Gettleman as well. I mean, he's probably still grinding film in his own way, and he has a pretty good eye for talent, I think, in film. So but as far as just remembering trade details and you know, calling Tay Crowder, Tay Crawford, yeah. those types of things, it's it's quite interesting to see. Like it's 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 odd. You don't I would say you probably he's the only GM who's getting those kind of details wrong.
3: Oh, 100%. Like I I, think there's I, a hundred percent. I mean, other. I don't watch all the pressers of yeah. other general managers, but I, I feel can, like man. a lot of the other general managers are much more like to the point and like yeah, stick yeah, up yeah, the right. ass. Whereas <laughs> yeah. Gettleman, like, will try to like relax and like he'll stumble over his words. He'll say cheese and crackers and stuff like yeah. that, <laughs> 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 which exactly. does crack me up. But I gotta say, Dan, um, Kadarius Tony took me off guard, man.
2: Yeah, I was not expecting that. Now me either. So I mean, I guess let's start with before we get into the player. Let's start with the pick. They're sitting at twenty and. They pass on Quitty Pay twice. They passed on him at eleven with the trade back. They pass on him again at twenty. Which just leads me to believe he was never really a consideration. It was fake news, fake noise. We told you guys before, and I fell for this too with this dumb petty pay stuff after Benjamin Albright mocked him there. DraftKings <laughs> dropped the odds, and all the you know insiders, the supposed
0: insiders. Were, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: We're saying they like pay, they like pay a lot, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? We said it before, Nick, and we didn't follow our own advice. We said whatever you hear in this 36-hour period for the draft, a good portion of it is going to be... Blatant smoke, blatant BS driven by the team. It's likely, in my opinion, the Giants leaked that on purpose when they thought they might be a chance that they lose out on Devontae Smith. Maybe they leaked that because there was too much hubbub going with Devontae and they're like, we don't want the Eagles or some other team trading above us to get Devontae. Let's pretend like we're going to take Quiddy Bay. It's a locked-in pick. Ultimately, they didn't take him. They passed him in twice. But at 20, I, I would ask you this. With who was left on the board, who would have been your pick at 20 overall when the Giants won
1: See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
0: Mm,
3: I think I'm not opposed to going receiver, and I actually want to touch on something real quick about Devonta Smith. I think Devonta Smith wanted to be a giant. I just do. I don't know. I just saw him, like, get up. He didn't look all that excited. He's Mm -hmm. at the Knicks game with the Yankee hat on. He has all this hubbub about the freaking Giants and everything, and then the Eagles jump the Giants to get him, and eh. Would you really want to go play for the Eagles?
2: Would you want to go to Philadelphia? I think I got another theory. I think my theory would be Devontae Smith was did really want to play for the Giants. But then, during the process, the pre-draft process, he became a listener to the Big Boo Banter podcast. Mm-hmm. He heard the way you pronounced his first name. Gotcha, yeah. Over and over. Yeah. Relentlessly. Without fail. Like, you were corrected on it multiple mm-hmm. times. You wouldn't change it. Even just now, you said, I heard a vunt. I heard a, a little bit of a unt. You got rid of the Munster Cheese sounding vanta, But you did not say the eh. You, you did a hard uh. So I think after hearing all that, he felt disrespected. And, and he now actually Could've. flipped back to not wanting to Well,
3: be you know what? We got a first round pick out of it. So. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> it's ends up like working out for us. But, but yeah. Yeah,
2: but who would you have taken if you were on if you were GM of the Giants at twenty? Because I know who I would have taken. So for me, I would have actually been fine addressing the
3: edge position there. That's where my, that's where my brain would have went. I would have been okay with Pay. I would not have like I'm not as low on Quidipe as I feel like the majority of Giant fans are. I don't think the upside is as high, but I do believe there's a lot of workable traits to be developed there. And I do believe Michigan also didn't necessarily maximize his ability to rush the passer because he did play a lot of uh, just. Football where he wasn't allowed to pin his ears back and just go. But he's but you still you would have won't. taken him
2: over Peyton Turner? Uh, Peyton Turner, yeah. I probably I, I had Quiddy Pay over someone Let's like Let's play yay yeah or nay. Turner. Quiddy Pay over at 20 over Peyton Turner. Yay yeah or nay? I probably would have go yay, yeah, yeah. Quiddy Pay at 20 over Gregory Rousseau. Yay yeah or nay?
3: No, nah, Well, no, nah, I'd go pay.
2: Quiddy Pay at 20 over Jason Oa, who also went in the first round. Yay yeah or nay?
3: That's the one where I think I would, rather, I would be fine with Jason Oa.
2: Okay, so Quiddy Pay over Azizo Ojalari at 20. Yay or nay?
3: It, I have Aziz over Quiddy Pay, but I, there's something going on with the knee there.
2: So you would have got. Maybe not, though. Maybe not. Because I'm, just, he's, he's my gone. number one target for tomorrow. So I'm hoping not, because he'd be the perfect pick at forty-two. And we'll get I to find that a it hard to
3: believe that some of these edge rushers ended up going over. He's him 6'2", he's though, not,
2: man. He's not, I, but I, he has he like 34 and a half inch arms, man. No, but he and
3: that's that's like great though, man. Because you have that natural leverage, being six yeah. foot two, winning the pad level battle, yet you have the length of yeah. like a six foot six player.
2: Yeah, he's intriguing. I li- he's my number one target for tomorrow. We'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So you would at twenty, you would have went basically either. Ojolari, maybe Oa, or Pei. One of those three is who you would have done
3: I think so. I mean, I don't hate the Kadarius Toney pick either. I'm not saying that if you're going to go receiver, I would have been okay with him. I would have been okay with uh, Elijah Moore. I would have been okay with Rashad Bateman. I mean, I had those two receivers over someone like Kadarius Toney, but I do acknowledge the fact that Kadarius Toney does have a different skill set than yes. both of those guys.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's interesting because first glance, my top choice would have been Elijah Moore. My Mm -hmm. second choice would have been Rashad Bateman. But a few things that I've thought about since the pick's been made, since I talked to you about it, hearing you said. One, as far as just the receivers go, I want to make this clear. My evaluations on these receivers are not going to be as strong, as solid as the Giants are. The Giants know exactly what they want from a receiver right now within this offense. The Giants. Have more film to work with than Much I do. More Much more film to work with than me and Nick have. Much more. They have scouts who have been doing this for years, who have been trained better than either of us, and Nick's been trained pretty well on this. Doesn't matter. So what we see is one thing. What they see is another. Also, the draft is a crapshoot. So who I have ranked I doesn't matter. Who the Giants are like, none of the, it's, it's all, it's not to say it's random, but there's a lot of variables in play. But then thirdly, like Nick said, Kadarius Tony brings a very different element than Elijah Moore brings they may be the similar size but they play a completely different style of game and in addition to that Bateman who I think is the smoothest route runner in the class he probably I go back and forth on Elijah Moore Bateman I think ultimately push comes to shove if I really hunkered down and thought about it and at time I would actually pick Bateman over Moore just based on the fact that I think Bateman can play both inside and outside immediately based on his size and he's not even that big but he plays bigger and he's so smooth in and out of those breaks so, I just I think yeah. that's so translatable Um, but having said that, that doesn't mean it's right. And then as far as the other thing you said, which is the edges, I, you, I know I've gone over this plenty of times. We've talked about this. I didn't have a first round grade on any of these edges. I think all of them would have been reaches in round one. Personally, the only one I think has any major upside is Jason Owen, Jalen Phillips, and Peyton Turner. Those are the only ones I watch on tape, and I'm like, these guys have the trait that I look for that could turn into an elite pass rusher. And if I'm taking edge, I want pass rushing. I don't want set the edge. I can get set the edge later in the draft, and set the edge only does so much for you. I need pass rushing skills that translate. So, but having said that, like you said, as we look to day two, that's the interesting thing, because if you had gotten your wish and you take one of those edges, they're set up so much better for day two because Elijah Moore's still on the board. Terrace Marshall's still on the board um uh Diami Brown still on the board there's actually more receivers than that but those are the big three who are all still on the board right now and could have been taken by the Giants Rondell Moore who to me ultimately might be a better version of Kadarius Tony. time will tell on that one but we'll see but those are the big four for me at least who are still on the board and then you flip it to the other side the edges they have Ojolari left but outside Ojalari, man it is not it is slim pickings right now for me on the edge. I am not a big fan of Joseph Asai. I am not a big fan of the kid from uh, Oklahoma. What's his name? Ronnie Perkins. So ultimately, I wonder if just value-based, your route would have been better overall. See, and I'm wondering if I'm thinking of that
3: now that I'm aware of what ended mm-hmm. up happening in the draft. Because I tweeted about this too, and it's it's true, man. Like Those last couple picks in the draft, we weren't really paying attention to it. It was like, oh, yeah, the first round round down. Three edges, man. Ugh. That's devastating. And Peyton Turner, my boy! And Peyton, I wanted
2: Peyton at 42 so
3: man, bad. Peyton Turner, <sighs> Jason Owa. I, mean, I, I wanted Owa, la- too. Four of the last five. Gregory Rousseau uh,
2: and Joe Tryon. And the Ravens got Owa, too. Like, oh, you know he's going to work. That's the same system yeah. the Giants are running, basically. Not the same exact yeah, system. Yeah, it's... it's a similar system. That they're, That means the Giants would have probably liked Owa, too, at 42. Like, you're just going to fire him off that edge, and he's going to be so explosive. Yeah. And honestly, uh, man, I was wondering if Jalen Phillips fell the Giants at twenty, if we would have went that direction. I would have loved that. It's. I wonder if the I. I feel like the Giants were set on going offensive uh, playmaker. I think
3: you might be right in the first I, round. I, I think you might be right. I,
2: I th- yeah. I think they wanted
3: a really explosive playmaker weapon. Uh, yeah. Weapon, yeah. So that, that's why I think Jalen Waddle was like their number one guy, probably. Yeah. And then they see Kadarius Tony, and uh, he's another very explosive playmaker. You could do so many different creative things with. I hope Jason Garrett is right now as we record this drawing up plays for Kadarius tony because the way florida and dan mullen used him was really really exciting man sure so they used him as a running back they used him so many times in pre-snap motion to just get the defense to shift so many times they used him as a decoy to allow kyle pitts who they defense should not right. be neglecting to acknowledge to, to do some funky stuff aka Trayvon kenny cries.
2: galladay evan ingram zaquan yeah. barkley
3: yeah and I mean, this doesn't... Uh, it's interesting, though, man, because you got this guy for possibly five years now. And maybe before right. we
2: get into Kadarius Tony, what does this say about some of the... Well, you know, I have a lot of stuff on that. So we can start yeah. there. I was going to say, who does this pick hurt more in your mind? Sterling Shepard or Darius Lee? And let's start by just saying for the 2021 season, not moving forward, because I think obviously moving forward... You can just look at the contracts and say it's Sterling Shepard. But for the 2021 season, who do you think this hurts more, Darius Slayton or Sterling Shepard? Because they could ultimately kick Shepard back to the outside. They might. And, I mean, I think if they want to get Darius Toney on the field, you
3: have to put him in the slot. He has yes. to be off the line of scrimmage. He's not somebody who's going to be tasked to beat press and beat jam and stuff like that. Not he, year one. No, no. he that He's very, very raw. In that, Mm -hmm. like he's very, very raw. You don't see a lot of it on his film. It's going to be could be a problem at the next level. But he lined up in the slot over eighty six percent of the time in twenty twenty, over eighty eight percent of the time in twenty nineteen. So he's been relegated to the slot. He's the perfect like number three receiver in a three by one set, like we talked about with Jalen Waddle, who can just stretch the seam vertically, stretch. The defense horizontally and you could do a lot of different things with it but I think the Giants are going to want to get Sterling Shepard on the field because Sterling Shepard is incredibly talented so it might end up hurting Darius Slayton more and they're just going to kick Sterling Shepard outside
2: yeah I think I think ultimately at first he'll be used a little bit more sparingly maybe I Tony, so. yeah I, like 20-30 percent of the snaps just like you said they'll mix and match with Sterling Shepard and Slayton in the outside but then you also factor in the fact that what's his role going to be in year one when you consider like okay we can talk about who's going to hurt more Slayton or Shepard I think that's kind of up in the air still because it kind of depends what version of Slayton we get if you get the 2019 version of Slayton Shepard's probably getting hurt if you get the 2020 version of Slayton Slayton's probably losing the snaps also can Shepard stay on the field he hasn't really done a great job of that can mm-hmm. Slayton stay in the field because he you know played most of last season but he was injured for a, for a good portion and he wasn't looking the same so those factored in but as far as early on like Regarding Tony's role, like how are we going to get snaps for him? Like you said, it's only going to be in the slot or in the backfield. There could be, hopefully, they get some creative snaps where they have like Tony and Barkley in the backfield, or they start with Tony and Barkley in the backfield. One motions out to the slot, and then you have the other stay in the backfield. Then you do some jet sweep motion and some fake jet sweep motion with 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 Tony coming out and of the have, slot.
3: And you have Daniel Jones' athleticism. Like literally, right. if, if right. Jason Garrett wants to get
2: creative here, there are are a lot of different things yes. he could do. Like, he can offense. generate offense with misdirection using Jones, Barkley, and Tony. Just their speed alone and playmaking ability in space, including Jones. Yeah, Jones. Include him in that because he proved it last year before the injury. He is a playmaker with the ball in his hands as a runner. You use all three of those guys correctly. Use enough misdirection and pre-snap motion. You can develop a really strong running game from that, I think.
3: Oh, yes. 100%, man. And, and that's something that I'm really looking forward to. I hope Jason Garrett does that. And that's not even mentioning the prototypical x receiver that we have the prototypical y tight end that we finally have i don't even know what evan ingram is going to do in this offense and we also know and this is where it gets a little tricky we know the giants are going to want to run 12 personnel
2: that's what i was going to say yeah we know that's going to happen that's going to limit his role in year one in my mind
3: yeah yeah no it definitely will i think they're going to be very uh i think every play is going to have a different skill set out there as long as these guys are are healthy you're going to be cycling them in
2: and out and they do have now a lot of good depth I know. You got a feel for John Ross. Like, how is he going to get on the field now? He signed that one-year deal probably thinking he had opportunity with the Giants, and he's got speed. And like you said, he's a little more, he's a little underrated traits-wise still, like from the tape you're watching, but how's he going to get on the field now? Just catch the football, John Ross. I didn't realize how bad the drops were
3: until I dove into his film, and I was like, oh, wow, they're like horrendously bad. But I would love to get him on the field just uh as that number three receiver sometimes man you can do a lot of very fun things with with these offensive weapons yeah and i think it, they made it a priority to add somebody who is a game-breaking type of electrifying with the football in his hands type of player somebody who has that kind of burst and explosiveness a home yeah. run hitter like a cadarius tony and i they got him at pick 20 with a trade down so it wasn't jalen Waddle, but this this player should still have a effective role hopefully more than what we expect
2: in year one yeah and so speaking of let's break down the pick Kadarius tony new giants receiver out of florida so what let's start with you nick where what are your favorite takeaways from him talk about some of your strengths when you're watching tony on film talk about some of your concerns when you're watching tony on film and then i'll get into some of the stuff i duck up on him because i actually broke down his tape a little bit as well and did a draft profile for him on cbs sports which by the way shameless plug you can find that on cbs sports by typing in gadari's tony draft profile or just on my twitter because i tweeted it out
3: yeah so i'll start with i guess the negatives like I've already mentioned a little bit on the podcast, release off the line of scrimmage versus jam uh, and press alignments is relatively raw. We haven't seen much of it quite yet. I would say sometimes I think he's very, very fluid in space. His hips, he can bend, he can do all those things. But sometimes when he's running routes, it does end up looking a little awkward in and out of some breaks. Just uh, it's just something I've noticed when I was downloading a bunch of videos <laughs> of him right after the draft. he I think only has three drops so he's pretty sure-handed he can go up and make contested catches but he's barely five foot ten so he's not going to be jumping over the top of people and making those type of uh, Kenny Galladay type of catches over the top of cornerbacks he has good hands he he I wouldn't say he's a body catcher I think he, he plucks away from his frame and he catches some really really hard balls makes some acrobatic catches not like Odell Beckham type of stuff but he's definitely effective in that area but uh, it's, a lot of it is when he gets the football in his hands, what he can do. The guy's that small because like, he has like a lean muscle, right? Like he's not like frail, mm-hmm. but he has lean muscle. He's got lean muscle, yes. He They sh- don't typically have the kind of contact balance and physicality that Kadarius Toney possesses. Kadarius Tony, he's like a pinball out there, man. He's hard to bring down. He runs through tackles, and he's incredibly, incredibly slippery. Yeah. He makes people miss very, very easily. He's very, very... Uh, you could tell defenders who aren't the best at tackling, which he, this happens in the NFL as well, yes. they fly in aggressively. They're going to miss. Mm-hmm. Like, he's very, very good at making them miss. He rarely goes down on first contact. And his pad level is so low. Yep. He runs so low to the ground. Yep. So you combine the pad level being low with the contact balance – And you got a pretty damn strong player right there. Who's going to pick up yards after the catch with his elusiveness and his ability to break through those arm tackles. I really love what he could do with the ball in his hands. And he's going to be, he's a little raw as a route runner. Like I said, Uh, he has all the athletic traits that you want uh, going in, in and out of breaks. Yeah. Sometimes it looks sloppy, but he can sink his hips like that dude. And he can get in and out. (laughs) He has all the agility. The acceleration is through the roof. The explosiveness and the burst is really, really good as well. He's a very, very exciting type of player. And, uh, and I believe he can, his potential is just, it hasn't even been close to reached yet, Ben. I mean, Not this, at got, all. this guy's a wide receiver for one year. He was a quarterback in high school.
2: Yeah, he actually talked about how he has now had three and a half years just starting with the receiver position. So mm-hmm. I think he, that, that those weren't all full time receiver positions. No, obviously. yeah, yeah.
3: 2020 was just, just learning really it from scratch because
2: yeah. he came in as a quarterback, obviously played quarterback in high school and he talked about how his days playing quarterback and we've heard this before and we've seen this before with players like Julian Edelman who by the way was an amazing slot receiver and converted in the NFL to becoming an amazing slot receiver which is ultimately what Tony will be in my mind I don't see him in my mind as an outside receiver it's possible but when you look at just how bad the scores were I mean like you talked about it before Matt Harmon of um, Reception Perception Yahoo Sports who does charting on all these guys charted every single snap of his and had him as in the first percentile of success rate against press coverage that's as low as it gets and then he had him in the 13th percentile success rate against man coverage so not press but any kind of man coverage but of course you factor that in with the fact that he only had you know 500 t- 10 snaps over the last three years not all of those at florida not all of those at receiver he's still learning the position he hasn't gotten many opportunities to really beat press coverage or beat man coverage things he can still prove to do like at the next level and also if he's in the slot, which is ultimately, in my opinion, where he should be with the Giants over the course of his career, however long that may be, he's going to face a lot more zone coverage. You know, That's just how it goes in the slot. That's how Cooper Cup has made a career for himself in the mm-hmm. NFL, because Cooper Cup's not going to beat man coverage on the outside, but he can beat zone. And so if he gets crafty enough, Tony, he can end up being somebody, in my mind, who can consistently beat zone coverage or whatever coverage he sees in the slot he can be just that uncoverable slot type receiver
3: and i've saw that too on his film
1: to be honest there are
3: times where he runs a route and he sits and the the covering defenders right on top of him and it starts and goes and then he just starts stops shimmies you could see him move his hips and his body to kind of throw off the uh the cornerback and then he creates space i mean he's he has the ability in that area i just hope he, he needs to develop a more diverse release package if he wants to be more than a slot receiver
2: yeah there's no doubt about it i think it's funny that I wrote this draft profile a month ago on Tony or whatever it was, and I had my NFL comp for him was Alvin Kamara, a running back. He's not a running back, Tony. He's a slot receiver or whatever we're going to have in that receiver outside. Because the Giants actually said, I want to make a point of this, because Chris Pettit said in the post-draft presser that he actually thinks that he has flex play. He thinks he, okay. for them he's a flex play. They think he can play outside and inside. So you know what? Maybe the traits they see they think he can translate to ultimately beating man coverage more than 13 percent you know 13 percent among receivers or beating press coverage more than in the first percentile and maybe the traits show that he can yeah i'm not as worried about the beating the man coverage i think the
3: nuances of running routes will will come with time sure it's the beating the press might be a little bit more difficult but you could align them outside put them in a stack put mm-hmm. them off the line of scrimmage have kenny galladay run into the first defender and then him just come underneath hopefully galladay you can get fly, that straight to jason slam.
2: garrett because we didn't see enough of that at all in 2020 watching the film there was not enough stack. release and and free releases for the receivers but I do want to get to one thing so I had in my comp was Kamara and it's funny because I hear him today talking to Giants and he's like I compare myself to Alvin Kamara that's so funny dude and he also thinks like he it can be a running back he feels like and they used him at times as a running back oh absolutely but really what it comes down to is it has nothing to do with the position he plays it's what you said in your strength profile it's the same strength I saw immediately it's the number one strength it's literally that ability to run solo to the ground and, make, and the contact balance, that's that's what makes Alvin Kamara so elite. Like Ask literally any NFL Italian evaluator. They'll be like, why is Alvin Kamara one of the best running backs in the NFL? He doesn't really have the best breakaway speed. He doesn't really have the best vision in my mind as a running back. He's not super powerful or big or anything like that. But his contact balance is out of control. Like He's you awesome said, man. if you're not a good form tackler in the NFL or college level, which we know there's plenty of them playing at both levels. Remember those old giant safeties? Like, who do they add back there? Who is that one idiot who they had back there? It was just unbelievably bad that one season. I'm trying to remember these old seasons. I mean, I remember Darian Thompson was awful at this. But there was some even worse deep half safeties at tackling over the years. Whatever. The point is, if you have bad form tacklers at any level, any all three levels, He's going to make you pay because he runs so low, like you said. His contact balance is elite. He's slippery. He doesn't go down on first contact. It's crazy. Like, the one route that I'm sure everyone's seen on Twitter, the one where he first makes that route out of the slot where he freezes the slot defender, cuts back inside, catches and then takes it to the house, he breaks up field and, like, four defenders are converging on him and somehow none of them tackle him. He somehow finds a way to go all the way through all of them for the touchdown because they can't. He's so slippery; they can't bring him down. And it's just crazy to watch. He has a lot of uh, film that, that have plays, <laughs> those highlight plays yeah. like that,
3: or like where he toe taps right up the sideline <laughs> to get into the end zone. It, it it's definitely exciting, man. It was definitely called off guard, but it's
2: certainly exciting. Yeah, no doubt about it. Some other stats of note that I wanted to get your take on here when it comes to Gadarius Tony the number one stat and this is the one that i put on twitter because it's just so unbelievable he forced 32 missed tackles on just 80 receptions over the past two years that's insane that's we're talking about almost one forced almost a forced uh i'm sorry a forced tack missed tackle for every two receptions that's crazy stuff like that should not be coming anywhere close to happening He had 784 receiving yards in the slot last year, six most in in college football, 24 Smiths tackles in 2020 alone. He had, like you said before, his hands are actually a strength of his game, even though he does have really small catch radius with the fact that he only has uh, 31.25 inch arms, which is 31st percentile. I don't like that. 9.25 inch hands, 48th percentile. Both not great, but it doesn't seem to matter because he doesn't drop passes. He only had three drop passes on 123 catchable passes, according to Pro Football Focus, in his whole career at Florida. That's a guy who's not going to drop passes. So that's all good. Total stats in 2020, he had 70 receptions, 984 yards. 10 receiving touchdowns, added a buck 61 on the ground. He did well against tw- top 25 competition in 2020, which you like to see. Had three games against the top 25, and he had 22 receptions, 287 yards receiving, three touchdowns against the top 25. That doesn't even dive into any of the stuff he does on special teams, which the Giants are also excited about. So, really, there's a lot to like when it comes to Kadarius Tony, as far as the upside goes, the ceiling goals goes. Um, He's an elite leaper, for example, almost a 40-inch vertical, 90th percentile, 136-inch broad jump, 99th percentile. You obviously see the explosion in his game, and yeah. that's- that's that you can see it testing but it doesn't matter you see it on the film
3: i don't see the uh breakaway speed that match, he doesn't have the acceleration there was a yep. play uh, it agree. might have been against old miss where it was a phenomenal play he got tracked down though yep and you're like ah oh, you, you want to see him break away there but but it just I think he has more a,
2: burst than breakaway speed yeah
3: much more much more burst and short area quickness yes he has a lot of that uh backyard football to him kind of mm-hmm. where like i remember when i used to play backyard football i got the football in my hands and there'd be like you know five dudes around me and i just Jump, jump, hopping all around trying to make people miss and stuff like that, like an idiot. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like he, he was doing that. Like in the NFL, it's not you're not going to get away with
2: that as easily. No, not at all. I mean, what do you say to people who tell you this is just another Tavon Austin? Because I don't see that. What do you say to that? Just another Tavon Austin? Yeah. Uh, I would just ask,
3: uh, not a gadget type player. Oh, uh, just another gadget type right. player? I mean, he was a gadget type player, but I think he showed enough in 2020 as a receiver in the slot. That, that says, hey, this could be a full-time slot receiver. I think he showed enough of
2: that. Okay, what do you say to my biggest concern then, Nick? I'll put you on the spot. My biggest concern is can Jason Garrett figure out how to maximize Tony? I have no idea. <laughs> that's that's the big question, right? Because I have no faith in Jason Garrett.
3: Even without Kadarius, Tony, could he have found a way to maximize John Ross, Kenny Galladay. I think he could have found a way to maximize Devontae Smith, for
2: example. You know what I mean? I don't think you really need to do too much there. You can line him up on the outside. He can win really quickly with those releases, and Dan Jones can get in the ball. But with more of a gadget-type player like Tony, my question for you is, is Jason Garrett the guy to get him going? No, I mean, he hasn't He
3: hasn't shown anything uh, that suggests that he is, at all least right. not with the Giants in 2020. <laughs> that doesn't mean he can't change, though. Yeah, I know. And that doesn't mean that having all these other offensive coaches— We were so guys, positive well, no. until that
2: point, Nick. We were, things were going well, so well. Well, that's the thing.
3: I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but no, I'm not going to just blindly say that it will. He hasn't Thank shown Thank you that. for not blindly saying it will. <laughs> I think some
2: Giants fans want you to blindly say it will. We're never going to do that on here, though. But what
3: I will say is you spent a first-round pick on him. Joe Judge is going to be like, we
2: need to find yes. this. Like,
3: I, I've been on sidelines. Before and like like, it's like you need to find this guy touches. Yes, and I think that Joe Judge did that with Evan Ingram earlier in the season. You need to find this guy touches. All right, well I'm going to run my Y stick option, and we're going to get touches to over there. (laughs) That's not the way to get Evan
2: Ingram touches though. (laughs) Exactly. You don't want him turning around, making ninety degree cuts. Get Evan Ingram. Learn it. Learn this, Jason. Look at the freaking film that Shermer ran. Freaking Ingram was running crossers all day. That's what he's best at. Give him a crosser, let him catch the ball, and let him turn upfield. Let him fall. (laughs) (laughs) Let let him run freaking vertical and take a safety out of the play. Do something, man. Don't have him run those stick curls. All right, enough of that. Jason Garrett, improve your ways. We're giving you another shot, buddy. You have everything to work with here. Galladay, Tony, what else do you want? Barkley. Barkley, You got it all, Jason. Figure it out, my man. But back to the pick. Here's my next thing. What do we make of the off-field stuff? Because, one, that was supposed to be the reason the Giants were interested in Parsons. Two, they already had a bad, bad situation when they took DeAndre Baker, when they traded up for DeAndre Baker. 2019 first-round picks can't be off the roster right now. It's devastating. But this guy, his background comes to this. He uh, had an issue uh, with police where he pointed an airsoft gun at police or something like that and he then they found a rifle that was apparently not illegal it was a legal rifle in his car but he has a rifle whatever it's the south i think, it, know, was a, I think it was loaded too that a loaded, was loaded legal rifle but it's the south yeah. everybody loves their guns i get it we just had crocker on the podcast and he's <laughs> yeah. like i love it down here in arkansas <laughs> you can buy guns and i'm yeah. like all right man a cali guy from a guy from cali loving arkansas because he can buy guns so whatever it's the south you like guns i don't want to i don't care if he owns a gun the Giants have said that they have done the homework. They like him. But at the same time, if you dig deeper in those post-draft pressers, you see that Pettit said, we met with him once at the Senior Bowl. It was really late at night. Everyone was tired. Everyone was groggy. We liked that he brought energy to our conversation. They asked him, okay, then what else? what else? He's like, no, that was the only meeting we had with him. So they're like, what do you base this on then? They're like, oh, we have our scouts down there. And they did some Zoom meetings with him during the season. It's so like, To be honest with you, and this is not just the Giants, it's all 32 teams, they're not really working with too much here. They're talking about Zoom meetings and one total meeting with a player. So, like, yeah, they feel confident in his character, and I hope they're right. And Joe Judge said it. He's like, you guys know me well enough to know anybody I'm bringing into this building, I really, you know, I feel comfortable about their character. And that's all fair and well, but I'm sure they felt comfortable about DeAndre Baker's character too. And then he goes on to have be- fall asleep in meetings in his rookie season. Take no time to learn James Betcher's system. Be completely lost the entire time. You know what I mean? So ultimately, how they feel now might be different. But are you concerned at all about the off-field stuff? Because one thing that I will say, one quote is, here it is from Judge. It's no secret I'm particularly I'm pretty particular about who I bring into this building. Sometimes you have to understand the person and the character on a deeper level than what might be tweeted out. So there must have been some bad tweets going around with Tony. I don't know. How do you feel about all this? I mean,
3: I don't love it, but they also have a uh, coach on staff, I believe, that recruited Kadarius Tony when he was coming out of Mobile, Alabama. And speaking of Mobile, Alabama, isn't it just so funny how the Giants love getting these guys from the Reese's Senior Bowl? Like,
2: they get such impressions out of these guys. They love, they love the, the senior Reese's Bowl. Senior Bowl. Because, again, you get to see him against the top seniors, I guess, the ones who don't opt out as a senior. And Bowl. he was good down there, too. Oh, yeah. He was. He opened yeah. some eyes down there. Oh, he absolutely did. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit concerned. But they said
3: they vetted him. They said they uh, they have coaches who do know him. But I mean, it's you. You want to make sure everybody who comes onto the team that you follow isn't going to end up like players that (laughs) have already vacated the team because of really poor decision making, like DeAndre Baker. But
2: I don't really, I can't, I don't just don't have any insight in on it because I don't really know much about. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm going to defer to them again here. Again, we talked about the Baker pick, but it was a different staff. It was James Betcher. It was Pat Shermer. Obviously, not the most. Well regarded staff by us or Giants fans, I guess, but you know, we're taking a stand on it and saying we have a lot more faith in Joe Judge as a character builder, as a stat, you know, overall this entire staff than kind of what they were seeing. And obviously, the Baker thing was a bit of bad luck, but not fully because the guy was sleeping in meetings. He had problems at Georgia. The coaching staff at Georgia didn't like him. And so, it's not really just like random bad luck, it was kind of just to a bad risk really I'm wondering uh, how much Joe Judge knows Dan Mullen
3: because he was the right. head coach of Dan Mullen is the head coach of the Florida Gators obviously right. the coach of Kadarius Tony, and he was the head coach of Mississippi State tw- mm. 2009 to 2017 and Joe Judge that's his alma mater yes. i wonder if there's a personal relationship there I'm sure a lot of coaches that are on the Giants staff a lot of them come from college they probably know Dan Mullen personally as well they probably asked mm. about Kadarius and his
2: work habits and all that stuff at least that's what a hopeful mind I think would that love. makes a lot of sense yeah. that's a good call and just a few other things when it comes to tony i want to say i think i talk a lot about when you're drafting players you want to look for them to have one or two or hopefully more but as many elite traits as possible mm-hmm. because you can get these That's guys a like the aj epinesas who do pretty well against college competition you, uh, you love railing against aj Nah, he might actually be a decent <laughs> player ultimately let's think of somebody who's like even better example of that they're like like Erasmus James going back in time. I'm trying to think of like, no, but he played Wisconsin and I knew he wasn't going to make it in the NFL. These guys who are good college players, but you don't really see what they're winning with and you don't really see a trait that you think can win against actual NFL competition because it's a big jump. It's going to be a huge jump. I don't care that you played in the SEC. That's nice. It's very good. It's better than playing in the ACC. It's better than playing in a smaller conference, but the jump in talent level, Mm -hmm. the worst NFL player is the best player you've ever faced in college. So you want to see elite traits and I think as far as that goes, Contact balance, I don't know if I think a single receiver in this class, on quite honestly, maybe not a single running back in this class. I don't think a single skill position player in this class has better contact balance than Gadaris Tony. There's probably running backs that
3: uh maybe some backs that I haven't mind. studied. Yeah. That's fine that I yeah. haven't
2: dove deep in. I have not dove that deep into class. But for receivers, I don't know if there is one. And then as far as just that burst in space and that stop and start ability, Stop and start, there's a few guys who can probably compare, but that burst in space, man, it, it's elite. And either way, even if it is comparable to great players and prospects in this class, I'm still going to say that he has three really strong traits that translate to the next level. Contact balance, burst in space, and stop and start ability. And that gets me excited. Absolutely. And I think there is a lot to be
3: excited about, but I also think there are red flags with this. Obviously, everything we just talked about, and then there's also injuries that he's dealt with in his past that could rear their ugly head i mean we are giants fans we follow this team we we do realize what injuries can do to certain position groups so that would also be something that's really unfortunate and you have to uh take that into account for sure
2: yeah and that's another thing that we just have to kind of guess on i guess it's not really anything we can speculate on at this moment or in time and there's Obviously, a lot of luck in my mind that goes in injuries. I know he had a shoulder injury and he missed some time in 2019 because of it. Shoulder injuries feels a lot better than the lower body stuff. When they start to pile up those lower body ones, that's when I get concerned. That's about it. Everything else I consider mostly luck, and you know, just not like remember, Evan Ingram was supposed to be injured this year. We all we all heard he's a guarantee to get injured. He played the full season. So I think, I think
3: we wish he was injured. That <laughs>
2: <laughs> you talk about oh, I'm railing on A.J. Impanessa. You non-stop railing on Evan Ingram. non-stop Evan Ingram railing. Great guy. No, he really is. No, he's a great guy. It's just I met him. He is a nice guy. Just I Not a good football too. player, but a nice guy.
3: Yeah. For no. sure.
2: And a great athlete. Um, hopefully he can be good this year, though, because it looks like he's going to be on the roster. All right, let's wrap up there with the first round pick, and let's quickly, briefly talk about some day two targets for us. So I'm going to start us off here. I got two targets that stand out most to me. The first one is your boy, Aziz Ojolari. Talk about it. I would love to throw Aziz Ojolari into the mix. Put him on the edge. You can start him off just in passing downs. Have him use that dip and rip move off the edge. Get those freaking tacos that are not that good in space. Sounded like you
3: said tacos eh? there. (laughs) Tacos.
2: It's it's 3.30 a.m. and I'm thinking about tacos. I'm always thinking about tacos, man. Tonight, let me say something. For tonight... Me and Nick had a little draft party. We watched the draft together. I was working. I was, you know, busy as hell. But there was some bad food consumed by Nicholas Vallada. Wow. This is a man. Yes, man. I have any pizza. So first, look at this guy <laughs> defending that. I said this. It's draft night. I wanted pizza. We were talking, what are we going to order? Went to this, this Italian place, uh, Romanelli's, and I was like, you know what? I want pizza. I'm in the mood for pizza. I ordered a well-done large bacon pie. Nick did not have a slice, but... He at least did have some boneless buffalo wings, which they were great. are not good for you and are unbelievably tasty. And so, good for you for stepping Thank you. your game up. Thank you. Now, he did compliment that with a side order he had to order because he couldn't get it on the pizza he had a i think a chicken salad wrap on whole wheat with a with a low carb i think it was a fake car no carb wrap or something he asked them specifically they said we don't that's, make it he said bullshit. can i go out and buy it for you from the from the grocery store bring it to you, you'll you wrap it in this and this non-carb bread but besides that he did have those boneless wings but you know it's draft night so i I'm, I'm still thinking about food though but as far as tomorrow goes Azizo Jalari. Get that boy in the mix. He's my number one target. I don't. If the knee thing is bad, whatever, we'll find out about it. He'll be on the board at forty-two. The Giants won't pick him, and he will be like that dude from Oregon, Tyrell Crosby, who I wanted the Giants to take in like the second or third round. He kept falling. Then he was in the third round. Then he was in the fourth round. Then he finally went in the fifth round. And everyone after draft was like, "Yeah, there were just like ma- massive medical concerns, so nobody wanted him." And like that could happen to his ease, but as far as I know, that could be bullshit. So he's my number one target, and then I have a clear tier. T- uh, second target, and then it's a teardrop for me. My second target is Jeremiah Owusukoromoa. We did a draft profile on him. I think he'd be a weapon on this defense. You put him at the second level. I think you can put him on the edge sometimes. I think you can put him in the middle sometimes. You can line him up in weird spots, like the safety position, if you really want him to for specific sets and downs. You just give a freak athlete, defensive star out there for Patrick Graham to work with. One of the best players I saw when I watched. And you, the fact of the matter is, if you watch college football, you're going to be stuck watching a decent amount of Notre Dame because they just jam Notre Dame down your throat. <laughs> you know, They are they give them their cakewalk schedule year after year. They force them into that college football playoff. Never deserved. They always look pathetic in the college football playoff. I really hope we don't have any Notre Dame fans there's listening so, to this Yeah, and one of the, one railing one in one on that. One them. of
3: the biggest fan bases yeah. in all of sports. Sure I think nobody. even
2: they know that they're don't that they bogus like college football playoff team year after year. I, I like Notre Dame, to be oh, honest. They looked really good in the college playoffs this year they really deserved it but he looked good Alusa Garmoz stands out every time and then I'll put a third one on there. the Giants aren't going to take him because they're not going to take a freaking tackle for whatever reason but I don't care Tevin Jenkins put him on the roster you can put him at guard at first and then if fails you put him at tackle Tevin Jenkins I'm going to round out my top three Clear-cut top three. Give me any of those three, and I'm happy at 42. But I got a couple other names, but let me hear your guys. Yeah, so my top three would actually be Aziz, number one,
3: so we share that. My number two would be Creed Humphrey. Yes. an absolute technician who is strong at the point of attack, great hands, incredibly smart plays center for the Oklahoma Sooners, but... I think he probably could transition to guard, but at the worst, he could just man the center, be an upgrade over Nick Gates, and then Nick Gates could transition to guard. So I think there's just versatility there with adding someone like Creed Humphrey. And honestly, and this is where it gets tricky for Mm -hmm. me, I think I'm going to go with Jock, Jeremiah usu but I would not be opposed to Tevin Jenkins or Landon Dickerson. But those injury concerns with Mm -hmm. Landon Dickerson are incredibly problematic because it dates back to his time at Florida State, but man... You watch his 2020 Alabama film before he tore his ACL against Florida, and he is so good. Could you imagine him playing left guard?
2: For the Giants? He is really good on film and yeah, the injuries are one. one thing, even though he was doing those cartwheels at Mac Jones's pro day. Mm-hmm. Like only like six months a roof from the ACL, so he must be like that could be a sign of him being a freak guy, or it could be like eventually his body's just gonna break down because there's not just the ACL. He's had multiple yeah. injuries. So that's one thing to keep in mind there. That's a little bit of red flag, but you could probably say I guess the same for his ease, but I don't know. He's number five on my list, Creed's four. I'd also be really happy. I know they don't need him, but I'd be happy with Azante Samuel Jr. Mm. out of Florida State because that's a see him, that's a see him, watch him, know him kind of player. When I watched him, I saw it immediately. And especially in Patrick Graham's system, which is probably going to still use a decent amount of zone. He's going to be even better in his own system because he has great eyes and I could see so him good. being a playmaker in the zone system. Like a guy who gets his hands on a lot of footballs for PBUs, for potential interceptions. I don't care that they don't need him. He's up there for me. Then it gets a little bit kind of like draggy for me. Not draggy, but I see some more of a teardrop into the guys like Pat move. Who I'd be happy with, but I'm not thrilled about him. I don't love him value-wise. There, Jabril Cox intrigues me. He throws some kind of athleticism at linebacker. Liam Eichenberg, the guard slash tackle from Notre Dame. You got Quinn Miners from Wisconsin Whitewater. I love his story. I was watching a little clip of him working out at his home. Like he's on some kind of like farm or something. It was a crazy video I saw on NFL Network. It got my attention though. He had like this. He came up with this like makeshift workout on his on his farm, or his woods. He's in a cabin. I don't even know. Yet. I got. <laughs> <laughs> Got to find more details on this Quinn Miners <laughs> workout, but he's up there. And then there's even, you know, like at value. I don't hate Elijah Moore, but they can't. I, I don't think they can go receiver again. They just don't really nah, have the, I don't. the room for it. Yeah, not at this pick. Like if they take Josh Palmer on day three, I'm still going to be thrilled. Yeah, or a, a, uh, you know, Smith marset Amir Smith marset but probably not right now at 42. Who else do you have your eye on? I guess for this 42nd pick, and then we'll go into that next pick at 74 six or seventy four i'm losing my mind
3: yeah that 42nd pick i mean i wouldn't i don't think i'd be in love with this but i think we have to start talking about some of these edge guys that we might not value as high at 42 but now since all these other edge guys are gone in the first round the giants may have to really prioritize it so you're looking at oklahoma's ronnie perkins somebody who had 98 tackles 32 for a loss 16 and a half sacks through his three years i believe it was at oklahoma look i I feel like he's more of a just yo, know, i'm gonna pin my ears back and go, not as. Not as uh, capable of dropping into space, although like I don't believe he's overly heavy or anything like that. I love the violence that he has in his hands. I don't believe he really has a pass rush plan quite yet, doesn't get to his counters as quickly as you want. It's like first move, oh no, I'm stopped, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just kind of try to shimmy to this to get the half-man relationship and it doesn't work. But he's intriguing, but it's not overly sexy. Then there's Texas' Joseph Asai. I think he could be considered at 42. The thing I like about Asai, I believe he's a little bit more of a linear athlete. And what I mean by that is in pursuit, running straight away, excellent burst, short area quickness and explosiveness. But turning, is not he's not as capable in those uh, really, really tight quarters with his turning. I don't believe he bends that well up the pass rushing arc. But he is a really good athlete. And I love his competitive toughness. And I love the fact that he is really raw at the edge position. So there's still a lot of upside to grow. And he could probably learn a lot more pass rushing moves because he played... Uh, as an off-ball linebacker for most of his time at Texas until 2020, so I think those are two yeah. names, and Boogie Basham too. He's like a 270 pounder, more of a defensive lineman than than uh, or a four-three, four-three end yeah. than a. Uh, in a three-four, and I and I could see like people making that same argument for Quiddy Pay, but I believe Quiddy Pay is just
2: a far superior athlete to someone like Boogie Basham. Yeah, and I don't think Quiddy Pay is that long either. At least Boogie's a no, little, bit no, long, yeah. little bit longer, yeah. but not even too much. But yeah, I mean ultimately as far as the edge position goes, i am probably out on the mall except for Z's. And I think for the Giants' sake, like it wasn't a great First round from that standpoint, like even a player who I really like, like Zayvon Collins, like I would have preferred Zayvon Collins to Quiddy Pay personally. I watched Zayvon; I think he's a different style mm-hmm. athlete. He went off the board. Like somebody fell in love with him, the Cardinals, and he went off the board. And then you had guys like Oa, who we were hoping go off the board. Even Peyton Turner goes off the board, so. I'm almost at the point where I don't want to force edge, and I'm just not really looking. I mean, I I hope they have, like, medicals checked off on Aziz. Like, imagine they just get Aziz at 42, and they like it, and they feel good about it. And, like, that's—then they don't have to worry about the rest of the draft, I don't think.
3: Honestly, I think my ideal day two—and I'm going to ask you yours at this— would be Aziz at 42, which I don't expect to happen. Okay. And then a Quinn Miners, Kendrick Green, Wyatt Davis, someone like that. A guard, Banks, Cleveland, one of those two guys— in a round three that would be That's like a ideal that
2: would be like a you guys would tune into this podcast and it would just be you know it's a lot of happiness going around a lot of happiness almost as much happiness as nick when he found out that the yes game of thrones is going to kill off because that's the latest episode. <laughs> you of Nick can't, saw. you can't give that away. Oh, no, no, man. no, enough, yes, enough. No. You can't if you're not watching. Like I you, disagree with everything oh, going on. God, right now. how long can you? How long is it? Spo- like, can you never talk about a show? Yeah. So what's the deal? You can never talk about. a show. I'm actually going to go through.
3: I'm going to go through, and I'm going to like. Beep. I'm going to add a beep right here. I'm going to mark this down <laughs> just to
2: just block it. I am doing this for whomever is watching Game of Thrones just like I, I am. So what's the rule? Like you can never talk about a show. So we could be 70 years past Game of Thrones. And the no. next generation of podcasters are like, Game of Thrones was a good I show. I think Sopran-
3: Sopranos is good. I think two generations past. What's the cutoff? It. So do you have a cutoff? 15 years. 15 years. So yeah. 15 years after the final episode? I wasn't even thinking about the start, but I guess that yeah. Let's let's go with ten years after the final episode. Ten years after the yeah, final episode, I think
2: that. So fair. then, what happens in the case of a Deadwood? Because Deadwood had three seasons. Mm-hmm. The show went off the air because HBO was an idiot. We're idiots, and there was no social media, so nobody knew how big of a niche fan base Deadwood had. One of the best shows ever, Deadwood. You should great show, all watch. Great show. It. And so it didn't really resolve a lot of what how it ended in season three because they were canceled mid season. They wrapped it up. Ultimately, years later, this was like last year or the year before, they came out with a movie. So is it 10 years past the date of the third season or 10 years past the movie? Did you say 10 or 15? What was your I said cutoff? 10, yeah. Okay, is it 10 years past the date of the third season or 10 years past the movie?
3: I mean, in that unique case, I say do whatever you want. See, you're want.
2: opening yourself yeah. up to a lot of subjectivity here. And ultimately, I'm gonna drop those spoilers. I, I, I think it's I think it's just courteous free to, to them not out.
3: do it. Oh, I won't. go. Through.
2: I think it's just <laughs> courteous to not do it. All right.
3: Well, and my... you know what? If there's any GOT fans, Game of Thrones fans who are watching it, kind of like I am right now, slide in my DMs and, and, and substantiate what I'm saying to 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 basically make me right over.
2: Them. And be careful with the gifs that you send Nick with Thrones. I sent him one that I knew of an episode he had already seen where Joffrey says. I am your king to, know, what is he like? No, I am a king to, to uh, Tyrion. But don't, and that was a horrendous Joffrey impression, by the way. Jeez, I can't hit that <laughs> note. But don't, make sure you don't do any spoilers in those gifs because he's still on, what, season four, I believe? Uh, early season four. So just keep all that in mind. But anyway, back to the Giants. Yeah, my ideal draft, day two, would be exactly that. Either Aziz or, honestly, Jeremiah owusu I don't really, I don't feel as needy to get that edge i'm fine mm-hmm. with the digging a bow uh, or i don't know if i'm ever gonna pronounce that right just odenabo just don't even pronounce G. yeah no yeah. g odenabo carter ziminens anderson coughlin brown mix and those match guys, just yeah. chuck them all in doesn't really matter <laughs> you're getting pressure and owusu because i saw enough on owusu tape that he can pressure and he can blitz so he would be it would be one of those two and then like you said Whoever falls, the best interior offensive lineman on date uh, um, with their third round pick.
3: Let's say they go jock. You know they're going to add an edge eventually in this draft, yes. I would imagine. Is there somebody a little bit later in the draft that interests you a little no. bit more?
2: No, quite frankly, no. I hate this hedge class. I mean, you might have someone. Yeah, no, I do. I have uh, Chris Rump from Okay, fine. Duke. I don't want to say no. Shaka Tony. Shaka. I like Shaka. I'm a Shaka fan. And I kind of like Rashad Weaver. I know nobody likes Rashad Weaver. Rashad Weaver was super productive in college. Like, they had a ton of pressures. I
3: think Ellerson Smith. I think Baron oh, Brown, you like too. Ellerson Smith.
2: I forgot. Yeah, you're big. So there are some names. Yeah, no,
3: there definitely are. There's it's, some it's, names. If Shaka Tony, I know it's not Shaka, but if Shaka Tony gets a sack, do you think he throws up the Shocker?
2: that's a good question and let's end it on that let's throw it out on there all right everyone that is the day one post-draft recap for the new york football giants for big blue banter podcast we had a lot of fun doing it as always thanks again to all of you our award-winning listeners who make this possible i want to thank every one of you for sticking with us in draft season for You know, giving us that positive review and that positive feedback on iTunes, whether it's a Uh five-star review, something you write into the review, you know, a note you leave us on Twitter. If you did, go ahead and please do head over to our YouTube page and like our new YouTube page, Big Blue Banter, on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, NYBigBlueBanter. Of course, of course, of course. Any of you have done any of that. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow night following the conclusion of day two. We can't wait. Otherwise, have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you soon.